Um, we have a few people getting baptized this morning, and I want to give those people um, a time to be able to share, but I thought I would just open with just a thought this morning. Um, have you ever stood in an airport and, and waved goodbye to someone you were close to leaving for a trip? Just put yourself in that mindset. The send-off can be a very, very powerful moment. Uh, I've witnessed this, particularly it's very powerful to watch when parents send their children off for an adventure. I mean, uh, not too long ago, Jason and Marjolaine did that with Bethany, and uh, they sent her off, and welcome back, Bethany, you've been gone for a while. Yeah, she didn't know I was gonna do that. She didn't know I was gonna do that, and neither did I, but I just thought, it just fits so perfectly. So there's excitement, there's nerves, there's an adventure that lies ahead. And as a parent, I'm sure you're scared. Uh, how many of you have sent like a teen of your children on a plane without you and you were like, okay, Lord, here we go. Okay, just put yourself in that mindset. There's a joy, there's an excitement, but there's nerves. In many ways, this is actually what baptism should be like. But too often, baptism in a lot of people's minds seems more like the, the culture that's happening at the, at the arrivals place, like it's the finish line. Like baptism, for some people, it's like, well, I, I got saved, I, I learned a little bit about Jesus, and now I'm going to be baptized, and then I'm going to just coast. And... But baptism is, is not the arrival, it is the departure it is the place of launching into a new place of faith with Christ. This is what it should look like. Besides taking communion regularly and, 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 and becoming a Christian, reading your Bible, it often just seems like the next step. But it's really uh, the beginning step of life with Christ. Picture that parent again standing there watching their child stepping on to the, uh, the teller, checking their bags, coming back, for another hug, another, another tear from mom, maybe dad too. And then they walk and they step forward. And they're, as they're going ahead, they go past security, they turn back and they wave one more time and then they turn their back and then they're gone. They're going on their adventure. Now there's a couple things for us here to, to think about. And, and I want to read Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' last comment establishes this practice as something that should continue until he comes again. All authority has been given on heaven and earth to him, and he says, go and do this, and I will be with you till the end of the age. In other words, you keep doing this until you see me come again. Well, there's two things he says to do there. He says, make disciples and baptize them and then continue to teach them. And continue to teach them, I imagine, is part of the discipleship process and the baptism process. Go make disciples and baptize them, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded. 
A parent who has a child leaving for six months on an adventure doesn't send their neighbor to the airport. They don't send their, their friend to the airport. If it's 3 a.m., they find themselves awake, hauling luggage, and they're there to see their child off because this is a special moment. There is something connecting the discipler to the baptism. In fact, I am so convinced that this is what it means. Go and make disciples and you baptize them. Now, we in church, we want order and we want structure, so they say, well, we need someone who's ordained to do this process. And I, I, I'm, I'm for that because there's a, there's a step in which we want to make sure these people know what they're getting into. But I'm also a firm believer that the person who's walked beside you, that has discipled you, it might be your pastor, but it might be a friend, it might be a neighbor that led you to Christ. I want to say from here on in, the person who's walked beside you discipling, I want them in the water with you. I'll be in the water there, but I want them in the water with you because if they've had the joy of discipling you, I want them to have the joy of participating in this moment. A parent isn't just going to leave it up to a neighbor. They're going to want to be there to send their child off. Go and baptize them. Make disciples and baptize them. Now, I'm going to stay in the water. I'm going to baptize people, but here's the question that's looming for all of us. When was the last time you had someone that you were discipling that you would want to be in the water for? When was the last time you were pulling someone along, teaching them to obey the commands of the Lord to the point where they came to Christ and, they, and you kept with them and they said, you know what, the next step, what, what do I do now? And you say, you know what, why don't you get baptized? When was the last time you connected discipleship and baptize? When was the last time you would be like that parent, so excited to get in the water beside that person because you watched them come to faith in Christ? This is what, this is the joy in which Jesus was calling his disciples to, was a family sort of thing, which is go make a disciple and then baptize them. Get excited. Watch them launch. Watch them go into the next part of their faith. Watch them grow and watch them get to the point where they don't even really need you anymore and then they're going to go make a disciple. That's what this is about. This isn't, just a, this isn't just a church rite that we mark on a calendar, that we write in our Bible, that we keep in a log. This is meant to be a lifeblood of the church, a cycle in which a, discipler gets, or a disciple gets baptized, and then they become a discipler who helps someone else get baptized, and it goes on and on and on. And too often we just step back and we just say, well, someone will make a disciple, I'm sure of that. When was the last time you were up at 3 a.m.? to take someone to the airport? When was the last time you were up at 3 a.m. praying for someone you were discipling, getting excited about the point that they wanted to get baptized? The call is to make disciples and baptized. And that's what God has called us to do. Now, maybe there's two people I think we could speak to really quick is the one who has not yet been baptized. And I want to challenge you this morning is why not? Maybe you've not grounded enough in your faith. Or maybe you felt like no one walked with me. I, I kind of stepped out in this journey and there's been no one there. Pray that someone would come along and disciple you. And for those of you who have been discipled and you've been believers, ask the Lord to bring someone. Ask the Lord to give someone's name. Ask the Lord to put a passion on your heart 
to disciple someone else so that you would have the joy of standing on that shore or standing in the water with them and you would be filled with excitement to see them go in the waters and be baptized as well. Which one are you? To those being baptized today, I want to just say this. This is a departure. This is not an arrival. The Lord has a lot more for you in store. This is not work that is finished. This is work that's really just beginning. For everyone else, get excited, be encouraged, and long to have the joy of standing in the water with someone someday. Be there beside them, a friend that you helped come close to the Lord, a, a neighbor that you led to Christ, a spouse that you walked alongside. Look forward to the joy of watching them depart. Because all authority is in Jesus, and he has promised to be with us to the end of the age. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now as, as some people are going to come up and share their testimony, as I invite them up, Lord, would you grant them your Holy Spirit's power to share what's on their heart so they can share their story with each person here. We ask in your name we pray. Amen. So there's always a question of who goes first. And so I'm basing this on the fact that one person seemed a little bit comfortable in just having bullet points. So uh, Brent, you, you get to come up first. So Brent, why don't you come on up right now and kick us off. Let's welcome him up. thing was supposed to mean, but anyway. You feel confident you've only got bullet points. Oh. Maybe I should have had bigger font, too, I'm thinking <laughs> at this point. Anyway. Um, yeah, how do I start? It's, uh, it's been an interesting journey, and, and it's all a journey, for sure, and uh, I appreciated your analogy about departure. Um, so I'm Brent Whaley. I was born in Regina in uh, 1961 and uh, grew up in a, no a normal family, had one sister. Uh, normal, uh, by that I mean we were dysfunctional in all the normal, acceptable ways. <laughs> but uh, yeah, enough said there. This isn't about them. Um, so we went to church. As, since I can remember as a kid, I, I went to a Lutheran church. That was my, uh, my family's background. And uh, I always believed in God. I think from my earliest memory, I always believed there was a God. And uh, if you would have asked me back then, while well, I was growing up, certainly I was a Christian. There was no question in my mind I was a Christian because like, what else are you? You know, I go to church. If you park your car in a garage, it's a car, right? It's uh, just you're there, so it's familiar, so that's what you are. So, um, but I mean, looking back, that wasn't the case. Obviously, I know that now. So, and if I kind of move ahead just to my teenage years, that was kind of where uh, my life really changed. I basically uh, uh, walked away from the church, walked away from God. I, n I never stopped believing there was a God. I think I always knew there was a God. It just wasn't important to me. And I just was able to completely put that, put that out of my mind. I just was able to follow my own path, do, do what I want. Um, yeah, and I mean, I look back at that and... 
it wasn't important to me, but I was still important to God. I know that. That I'd, I'd forgotten about him, but he hadn't forgotten about me. That's the takeaway from that. Um, Paula and I got married and in 1986, and we moved out here to Ottawa. Started a new life here. Um, and I was, I was focused on my career. I was focused on uh, partying, having a good time basically being the king of my domain and doing whatever I want. So uh, there was all the usual stuff, you know, I don't have to get into the substance abuse and all the ungodly living and all, all the stuff. It was all there. So uh, it was a basic rebellious but normal life, acceptable life. Um, and again, God hadn't left, though he was far from my mind. I wasn't thinking about him at all. The last thing, last thing on my mind was going to church. So, um, We started attending church, I guess, uh, when our first child was, was born, Victoria, because it was the right thing to do. That was the only reason. I grew up going to church, so when you have kids, of course, you take them to church. So that's what we started doing. Again, still nothing there really. It was just, you know, it was a social club or whatever. It was a good activity. It was good, good teaching, good, good thing to do for my kids. And then things changed later. We got involved in a little bit of a side, I'll call it business, multi-level marketing. I'll leave it at that. And uh, we were going to be rich. We were going to be wealthy. Again, I'm following the right things here, eh? Like, I'm giving you a pathway to follow here. Um, but the people we got connected with there were, there were some really great, great born-again, sold-out Christians. And uh, I kind of looked at that and, I don't know, whatever. That's okay for them. But, you know, they, they were sold out and they tried to live their lives for Christ. There's no question about that. And it kind of all came to a head for me. It was, uh, it was 1996. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was at a, a church service there that was related to this business. And there was a guy by the name of Jack Reed who I'll just mention because you don't know him and you don't, you don't look him up. He wasn't a pastor. He doesn't have videos on YouTube or anything. But, but we were at the service and he was preaching the gospel. And it was one of those times like where he's preaching and I'm the only guy in the room. And I'm sitting there and feeling emotions, feeling... I, I mean, I have even trouble remembering what it was. I think I felt warm, felt this feeling, and all in all, though, what came down to, I realized I had no hope. That was what struck me like a ton of bricks, that I was hopeless, and I needed Jesus, because Jesus was my only hope. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it myself. So that's when I came to faith. That's when, that's when God really got a hold of me, you know, I believed, I repented, and I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior back then. So that was a long time ago. That was 20-some 20, 20 years ago. But things started to change, and then things got difficult, because then you're trying to follow the Lord and figure out what that means. And so here I am, I'm 22 years or so into this relationship with Jesus, and really it's been the last five or ten years where I've, I've been finding you know, how much my heart still needs to change and how impossible it is for me to do that and for me to really follow Jesus faithfully, that he has to keep working in me. So um, it was maybe five, six years ago, again, I kind of realized just 
how stuck I was, that it didn't seem like my, my faith was going anywhere, my relationship. And I, you know, I needed something different. And I didn't know what that meant, but I knew something wasn't right. And I never stopped believing. It wasn't like a crisis of faith, but I was fortunate that God brought me into groups of people. Some of them are here. And, you know, there was a real awakening of Jesus didn't come just to save me. He came to give me freedom. And the, the verse in Luke, uh, Luke 4, where Jesus read from, from the scripture, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Okay, I got that, the gospel. Okay. But he has sent to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that was what clicked, I think. That was the start of a process that really made me want to understand what does it really mean to be free? What does it really mean to, to li live a more holy life, to really have that relationship with Jesus and to have him living in me? And um, yeah, since Paul and I have been here at Chapel Ridge, we've been so blessed. We've seen God pour out his love uh, on us and everybody, but especially on us. When we came here, we were pretty beat up and we needed help. We were needy and we found help here amongst so many of you. I won't name names because you know it. So many here that have blessed us in so many ways here. And, uh, you know, it, of late, God's really impressed upon me my desires. And so the baptism now is coming out of me, you know, questioning God and pressing into Him about why don't I desire you more? Why are my desires not about you? Why are my desires still about things that you don't like and change me? And so um, I want to be in good relationship with him. I want my desires to be aligning with him. And so I'm here to get baptized because I want to be obedient, not out of duty, but out of my desire. I'm wondering if I could invite Anna Lee to come up next. All right. Look at you bravely just march right up here. Why don't you stand over here so that you don't block, get blocked by that. There you go. So pretty much my life was as a Christian. And so I was bored and my my parents taught me about Jesus, and then I like I started going to church, and it brought me closer to Jesus. And now I go to a Christian school, and like it just brings me closer to Jesus, and it makes me want to worship Him and live with Him, and for my whole entire life. And so, pretty much, um, I want to be a Christian for the rest of my life and believe in Jesus. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, Anna Lee has, a, has had a few special moments here that I know it's touched Ken's heart where we've had a service and she, she would just come right up here and kneel down and pray and just what a marvelous young lady with marvelous faith and we're so glad you're, you're, you're doing this this morning. All right, I'm going to invite uh, Francis to come on up next. Thank you. 
Un unlike the other two, I have a prepared statement. <laughs> Probably because of my background as a professor. Um, my, my story is similar to Brent, the early part of my story. Uh, but I wasn't born in Regina. I was, uh, I was born in Hong Kong. I came to Canada when I was uh, 15. So I was brought up uh, as a Catholic. So like Brent, I always knew that there was a God, uh, that Jesus existed. That, that was no, no question. So I used to go to church with my parents when I was little. But I never really had a relationship with Jesus. Uh, as I became a teenager, I slowly drifted away. Uh, there were times when I was in university, I met some Christian friends. They invited me to church, but I chose to walk away. Um, so God had given me opportunities, but I just chose to ignore him. Uh, it wasn't until in my 30s uh, when I turned my life around. Um, I was divorced, uh, living a life with no purpose at all, chasing worldly idols, uh, all the stuff that Brent had mentioned. I don't want to get into it, uh, save it for another day. Um, a friend at work started talking to me about the meaning of life, uh, not the Mon Monty Python one, but <laughs> the real one. So. One day, he came and asked me, hey, what are you doing this Sunday? And to that, I said, nothing. So he said, good, I'll pick you up Sunday morning at 8.30. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my long journey with my faith. So my walk with Christ was a long and slow process, um, mainly because of my stubborn and skeptical nature. Um, there wasn't any one defining moment that I can remember when I came to Christ. Uh, God kept working on me and working on me for probably about 10 years or so when I finally got the message and submitted. Um, God has since blessed me abundantly. Uh, I am now married with a godly woman. Uh, I have a very beautiful family. As I always joke with my kids, uh, four, four of them, at least none of you is in jail. Um, <laughs> even if you're in jail, I still love you. And we have one of them here, Adrian, with us. Um, and I am surrounded with a lot of godly brothers and sisters. So my baptism today, I feel that this is my next step to fully surrender to Christ. Um, my place is in God's presence. I want to declare that the time for me is now. This is who I am. This is what I believe in. There is no going back. I believe in Jesus. As I was reflecting in anticipation of today's uh, baptism, I came across this uh, verse a couple of days ago that pretty much sums up how I feel about fellowship with Jesus. So I would like to close by reading it. Uh, it's Philippians chapter 3. Uh, I'm reading from the NLT version, verse 7 to 14. So I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared 
with the finite value, or compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power and raise him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward of what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Thank you very much. I'm going to invite uh, Jaron now to come forward. So, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church every Sunday. I never knew much about the story of God. My parents showed me a big book of simplified Bible stories a, a, year, a year or two ago that I read through three or four times. Then I began to want to worship God, so I started singing the songs every Sunday a couple years ago, and I realized and began to understand what the lyrics were of whatever I was singing. I wanted to understand it completely, so I talked with my parents. One day I went out and bought an understandable Bible so I could understand who God is and what he wanted to say to me around two months ago. So my favorite verse is John 1.14. It says, the word became a human being. He made his home with us. We have seen his glory. It is the glory of the one and only who came from the Father and was full of grace and truth. And that brings me to today and why I wanna get baptized. I wanna get baptized so I can follow God. I realized I'm a sinner, but I've asked him for forgiveness. Today I choose to follow him. Amen. I just I want to add in a little thing. Sorry, Jaron, just to add this about you. Um, when I first started as youth leader here and Jaron started coming out to youth group, if you had told me that he would have been up here drumming on the same Sunday he was also speaking in front of everyone and getting baptized, I would have been, all right, let's, let's see God do that. And guess what? He did it. I'm so proud of you, Jaron. Really. I'm going to invite uh, Alicia. I believe Alicia's mom is going to come up and read hers as, uh, as public speaking is not her forte. <laughs> so mom's going to read on her behalf. 
Not really mom's forte either. <laughs> she owes me. She owes her, yeah. been a long time since I've been up here. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm reading this obviously on behalf of Alicia. So thankfully Alicia and I look almost identical. Um, you know, tall, thin, long, straight hair. So it should be easy for you guys. Um, okay, so uh, Alicia's words. My decision to get baptized today was not one taken lightly. I was raised in a Christian home and accepted the Lord when I was eight years old and got baptized when I was 11. Although I understood the concept of baptism, I don't think I fully acknowledged and grasped what that meant in my life. For as long as I can remember, I have always struggled with fear and anxiety. And this has been something that kept me from really stepping out to enjoy and embrace things in my life. Mom moment. <laughs> in my late teens, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, which was a good and bad thing. I had answers to what I was feeling, but now I had to deal with learning how to cope with it. Regardless, um, of all that I was going through in my teens, I always desired to deepen my relationship with the Lord, but always felt like I was lacking. One lesson I learned during that time is that words have a way of either building you up or tearing you down. At times when I was trying so hard to follow God, words spoken over me made me believe that I wasn't good enough. Spirit of rebellion, controlled by fear, unwilling to follow the Lord's calling. Only a few of the words that spoke into my feelings of unworthiness. When I was 20, I entered into a relationship with someone that I thought was going to be the one I would spend the rest of my life with. It started off well. We talked a lot about the Lord, spoke truth into each other's lives, and were truly seeking the Lord's will for our lives. About a year and a half later, we got engaged, started making plans for our life together. Looking back now, I can see that our relationship was not what I believed it was. There were many red flags and things spoken over me by him that caused my relationships with those closest to me to suffer. It caused me to, to question the true nature of my relationship with my parents and my brother. Ultimately, I began to question my ability to have a deep relationship with the Lord. After all, I wasn't reading or understanding the Bible right. I wasn't praying right. Therefore, God wasn't going to listen. I just wasn't measuring up again. The relationship grew more and more into an emotionally abusive one. Needless to say, the relationship ended and the healing journey has begun. It has been a time of praying against things that were spoken over me and focusing on the truth of who the Lord is and how he wants to be involved in my life. My relationship with the Lord has deepened and I want to fully express that by getting baptized. This time fully acknowledging and grasping that I will only move forward with the Lord. Five down, one to go. Come on up, Cassie, and I think uh, Allison's going to join her. 
Hi there. Oh. <laughs> I'm Cassie. Uh, I'm originally from Beijing mainland. Um, so I had this nightmare last night. It's like two dark ghost-like men followed me to my house. I tried to open my door, but I can't open it. And uh, it's pretty scary. <laughs> I was scared. Um, so Alison today is going to share my testimony for me. Oh, I forgot to say. I think it's Satan's um, welling. He's not happy about this. Like, I got baptized. So that's why I got this nightmare. Um, and for, please forgive me my English accent and uh, bear with me. So um, I will let her to read it. Okay, so hi, my name is Cassie. I grew up in Beijing, China, an only child. Growing up in China is a lot different than growing up in Canada. I always felt alone. My parents worked long hours and were always busy. I was always sent to live, I, I was actually sent to live with my relatives for a year at a time because my parents were too busy with their work. School was very competitive. I was regarded as being too nice and therefore a pushover, and so I got bullied a lot. I had friends, but I always felt alone. I don't have particularly fond memories of growing up in China. I moved to New York City in 2013 to go to school, and it was there that a friend invited me to go to her church. I decided to go with her because I wanted to learn English and because I wanted to learn about the culture. I first heard about Jesus and the gospel there. It didn't touch my heart enough for me to accept Jesus, but it was a seed planted in my soul. I was struck that Jesus would hang on a cross. Jesus was being nice to us, always thinking of others, loving other people, and being vulnerable. I thought that that was crazy. Jesus was too nice, and, he didn't, and we didn't deserve his love. While attending church, the people were friendly and helpful, and for the first time in my life, I felt a sense of belonging. I did not choose at that time to become a believer. I even threw my first Bible away. I returned to China in 2016 to work for a year. While there, two things of note happened. First, I went to Thailand for a month and spent time meditating with the Buddhist monks. I felt no love, only emptiness. And so after my month, I abandoned my search to find peace and happiness through Buddhism. Second, one day in China, while working evenings, I got in a taxi to go home. Instead, to my horror, the man drove me against my will to a forest near the Beijing airport. He was planning to rape me. I begged him to let me out of the car. I knew that I was going to die that night. I pretended to call up my cell phone. He didn't realize that my battery was actually dead. The taxi driver got scared and suddenly put me out of the car on the side of the highway. Thank you, God, for saving me from that evil and from death. Last December, soon after my brush with evil, I was feeling desperate. I started to pray to God. I accepted Jesus into my life as my savior. I did this on my own. I didn't know any other Christians in China. I also decided that I did not want to stay in China any longer. In April 2018, two months ago, I moved to Canada to begin a dental hygienist course at Algonquin College. I wanted to be baptized, and so I needed to find a church to baptize me. <laughs> I searched for a church through Google and watched a documentary about Seventh-day Adventists. 
Their health-conscious emphasis attracted me to them, and so I attended there three or four times, including going to someone's house for a Bible study. I gradually became more and more uncomfortable with their doctrines and legalism and decided to stop going. That same week, in early May, I experienced a special moment with the Lord. While I was brushing my teeth one morning, I heard a still, small voice saying to me, I am with you. I knew it was the Lord speaking to me. It warmed me all over. That afternoon, I was so excited to meet Matthew in the food court at a golf club. <laughs> uh, it was great talking to him. I went to the Heart for Asia and Beyond Missions Conference a couple days later at St. Paul's Presbyterian Church and met some of you there. I have been attending St. Paul's Presbyterian since they're very close to where I live and I can walk there. And that is the church I attended in New York and Chapel Ridge. I have also started to attend a young adult's Mandarin Bible study Friday nights as well. It's literally a miracle I can stand here and talk with you guys. People change, the rule of world is all about give and take, but I know that Jesus must be real and that his spirit lasts forever. I love him with all my heart. I believe that I am chosen to be a Christian even though I am still weak and imperfect sometimes, but I'm willing to make a change. From now on, I am a brand new person. I love God, only him. There is hope, love, peace, and joy in him. I want to be with him forever and ever. I have felt such a release through knowing him, and I know that God has a plan for me. I am so happy that I am alive. I'm going to close this service by inviting Ken to come and pray, and then we'll basically, at the extension of the service, we'll be at the, at the river, and we'll sing a few more songs, and we'll invite the people to stand and, and ask a few questions of them that are going to be baptized, and they'll answer them, and then we'll, we'll take them into the waters. So, Ken, why don't you close us out by praying? Okay. Praise God. That's, that's <laughs> can't get a lot better than this, eh? Uh, just wanted to mention that there is a family from India as well who are visiting us today. Uh, Mark Vavassam and his family. If you just stand, Mark, and we just want to welcome you. Uh, Mark is very much involved with city uh, reaching, city transformation work in India. And so we've, we've got to know each other through Love Ottawa, and he's in the city. His son just graduated from university, and so it's, it's a privilege to have him here. And he's going to be coming. We're having a city reaching conference in January, and he'll be one of the speakers. So well, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this is a miracle. Every time somebody comes to faith in you, your word says no one comes to the Father except he's drawn. Lord, it takes the work of your spirit to open our eyes to, to even want to know you and then for you to reveal to us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that through faith in him we have eternal life. This is a miracle, Lord, and, and we are so encouraged to hear these six people sharing the very unique journey each one has been on to come to faith to you and to this point of publicly being baptized, publicly declaring their faith in you. 
publicly uh, declaring to themselves and, and to the world and the devil that they are going to follow you, Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless them, O oh God. Father, um, we ask that this day will be a special day for each one of them. And that, Lord, your Holy Spirit will, will confirm and strengthen them in their faith in you, Lord. And that, Lord, as, as Pastor Lucas shared, uh, they will continue on, Lord, serving you from, as your word says, from grace to grace and from glory to glory. And, uh, Father, we pray your protection upon them. Uh, we know the enemy is, as Cassie said, he doesn't like this. But you've taught us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. And so we ask that in Jesus' name for each one of these people, Lord. And Lord, we, we commit to you the, the prayers on each one's heart here today, Lord. Um, I think of Judy Gallagher, whose brother just passed away, I think it was yesterday, that you would comfort the family and strengthen them. And uh, Lord, we thank you that Luca is doing so much better. We pray that we continue to heal him. And that you would be with Mark and Angelica, Lord, uh, who are looking for a place. They're, they're a large family. They, they need a home. And you said that you would take care of our needs. So we trust you to take care of theirs. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.